Hello everybody, this is Let's Talk Sports with Timothy McCain, and today we're going to be talking about analytics and how it's changed the sports world and how it's impacted the games for African Americans particularly. Now analytics is basically, um, it's a systematic computation of analysts, it's a, it's a systematic computation analyst of data or statistics, and basically it's, um, they're measuring people based on um, numbers, percentages, and like like for baseball, like how many hits do you make? Or in basketball, it's like what what do you shoot from the right side to the left side to the middle to the you know inside? Like like there was a stat that said like like uh, Ben Simmons shoots a certain percentage from three, which is very un- unlikely, very unusual. And then like where it's like five feet to the basket, he shoots like ninety five or ninety eight percent. Something like that. I personally believe that um, analytics can be good and bad from the for the game, from the perspective of of basketball. One of the reasons why I don't like analytics necessarily in basketball is because a lot of it is based on the three, and I believe the three is an is a necessary part of the game, but I think it's also a bad part of the game because we don't get to see. Today, the same physicality of the sport, the center position in itself has become almost obsolete. There are guys that are good, like uh, DeMarcus Cousins or Joel Embiid, but these aren't the same players like uh, Shaquille O'Neal, or Wilt Chamberlain, and uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Now, it's unfair to compare them. Um, from the standpoint of how great they are and how the, and how those guys are Hall of Famers compared to the very good players of Joel Embiid and DeMarcus Cousins, who are, in my opinion, the best centers in the league. Uh, Jokic uh, is next. Uh, he's, he's an incredible player as well. But I believe the fact that you can shoot 40 or 30, you can shoot 40 percent from three or 30 percent from three and still be in the game. And, and, and twos, you have to shoot at least. 50% to match the 30 or the 40%. And I think that that could be a problem in itself. Or it has to be high 30s. It couldn't be low 30s. If you were shooting 39% from three and somebody was hitting uh, 40% from two, you know what I mean? That that would be a struggle and for, for the twos because three is greater than two. And so from that perspective, plus when, when they shoot threes, centers and power forwards can't get rebounds. So now that's the reason why we have the, the center position was based off a of low the center and the power forward position is based off a of low post scoring and rebound. But now, because when you shoot the three, the ball, if they miss it, and the majority of the time people, when they shoot threes, they miss it, they, it bounces and it bounce, the ball carries longer than wood for a two. Because of that, now guards can get more rebounds. So now we see Russell Westbrook, who's an incredible player. He hustles as hard as possible. There's, there's no one that, there's been many years where they say no one has worked harder than Russell Westbrook. And so he can, he's, he's led the league in, uh, he's led his team in rebounding, not the league. He, he's led his league, he's led his team in rebounding for several seasons. And um, he, uh, he he's had a triple-double for the past two to three seasons. So... I think that um, that the, for the game of basketball, it, it it's not good because it's, it's made the game positionless. And for me, as an old school fan who would see those great center positions, that's why I don't necessarily 
like analytics. Plus, we had a Houston Rockets team, which is known for being analytical because of their general manager, Daryl Moore, Moley. They shot 73s um, this season. And then 68 uh, the next night or the night after that. They shot 68 times. I mean, that's just something that we... That's not fun to see. I mean, there's there's got to be something to, to be said about intensity of of, uh, of of physicality, and and we don't necessarily see that a lot in today's game. Um, but when it comes to football, I think analytics is important only because it measures based off of numbers, based on what you do on the field. Now, granted, some things you can't explain, like like when it comes to like you see a guy who's who's just as talented a good example is uh Nick Foles and Carson Wentz now Nick Foles and Carson Wentz when you look at their numbers they're they're nearly identical for the amount of time that they played together when you include Nick, uh Nick's 2013 season when he when he averaged 27 touchdowns and had like two to three interceptions that year and then when Carson was hurt you know he led his team to the playoffs both times um when Carson Wentz was hurt for two seasons, and then um, he led them to a Super Bowl last year, and they went to the divisional rounds. This year, they ultimately lost, um, and they were actually driving. It was Nick Foles had them, but you know, um, you know, he just the receiver just couldn't make the catch. So unfortunately, they couldn't make it. I believe it would have been an incredible story if if uh, Nick Foles were to go and win another Super Bowl. Uh, it would just it would just be interesting. But if you look at that from the perspective of you got you got two guys, one guy in Carson Wentz is obviously more talented than Nick Foles. Well, I wouldn't say obviously, but he's a better player than um, Nick Nick Foles. But if you look at them, but if you look at that from a numbers standpoint, they're the same in Philadelphia. I think another standpoint is I like it because you can't judge. Heart, like most, the majority of like football, a lot of it is based on height, weight, speed, um, and so people use athleticism. And and you need to, and you need athleticism in the game, in any sports, but especially in basketball and football, because uh, in football, if you're fast, if you're wide receiver and you're faster than everyone else, and you can separate and get the ball, if you're a running back who's strong and fast, you'll be able to take out to take a linebacker if he's running through you but you also have enough speed to get out the way and so I think you need those things but if we look at uh, guys like Tom Brady Tom Brady didn't match the, the physical the physical uh, look of the game he didn't when he was drafted he had the slowest 40 of all time during that period and he just looked like a regular guy. If you put street clothes on him, you thought he was a regular guy named Smith in your neighborhood. Um, but he was, he's the greatest quarterback of all time. I wouldn't say he's the, the greatest player ever, like some people say. Um, but I think he's, the, he's become the greatest quarterback of all time because he's used the fuel of people saying he wasn't good in college, even though when you look at his numbers... He proved that he was worth being the starting quarterback at Michigan. But it was the fact that um, Lloyd Carr and them, they saw that they had so much talent from this other guy who played a little baseball in New York and 
tried some stuff out in New, in New England. I think it was even a backup for Tom Brady for one year. You can't necessarily just look at talent. You have to look at other things. And I think that's one of the benefits of of analytics from a, from a football standpoint. Only because you cannot judge someone's heart. You cannot judge the way that, that, that they do stuff on the field. But also... I think it can be bad because you can't judge someone just based off their numbers. Like, what are they like as a person? Can they fit in your locker room? Can they can they listen to the coach? How do they interact with players with them? And so that's one of the things that I have an issue with, with analytics because it does measure the numbers and those measures are valid. Like Tom Brady. Tom Brady was an incredible player despite what he looked like, despite his 40-yard dash. He looked... If you look at his statistics at Michigan, he was a quarterback that didn't deserve to be drafted in the sixth round, even though he was benched um, um, because of Lloyd Carr in Michigan. He still had the numbers to prove that he was worth um, a really uh, a higher pick than sixth round, one ninety pick one ninety nine, and then even Ray Lewis, um, who was a shorter linebacker, but he used that fuel to make himself better. But when I look at it from um, the standpoint of of uh, African Americans, um, in the in the undefeated did an article about how African Americans were not as involved in analytics because we're more involved. We we're more interested in the feel of the game, how the person dominates the court or dominates the field, and uh, it's something that. We have to, well, African-Americans, we have to, to do more because that's the way the game is changing. The game is changing to more to a numbers game. And if we're looking at some of these executive and managerial positions, we need people of color, African-Americans, um, in my opinion. Now, there, there, there definitely could be uh, more diversity when we're talking about the Asian community or the Latino community or, any, or, or women who want to be a general manager one day. Um, or even today, why not? But uh, I think that uh, that for there, there needs to be a greater awareness of the numbers, and that's the reason why we don't see a lot of African Americans in general manager roles. We only have um, now. Granted, ownership is really based off off of money, how much money you have, but these owners are hiring uh, people who know um, the numbers, and I think that. And I I would ask as a person of color, as an African-American, that I would like to see more black people uh, involved with this game when it comes to analytics. Because we can, um, it's important because when we see African-Americans in these positions, people can say, hey, look. If he's like that, I can be like that. So it's 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 a symbol. And that's why I think it's important. So no one can say, well, hey, look, they're just looking at it from an emotional standpoint. But to see African-Americans um, in analytics from in as a general manager, as an executive, we get to see and we and kids can say, hey, look, there's a guy. Math is cool. 
because he's the general manager. He's the one making deals. He's the one that's signing this guy and, and, and making check, cashing checks and making sure this guy is, he, he drafts the right player. You know, he, he signs the right guy because the numbers say that this guy is a good player. And that's why I think um, um, African-Americans should be involved with analytics because I do believe we've become, for, we, we're, we're, we're kind of pushing away from it. And with reason, it's taking away some of the physicality of the game. But since the game is changing so fast, um, we need to adapt to that. And once African-Americans adapt to that, then we'll see more and more African-Americans in leadership roles, not just the ones playing on the court, but we'll see more African-Americans where when they show the general manager, they see a black person. I think that's important to the league and to sports in general. Um, This is Timothy McCain. This is Let's Talk Sports with, with Tim. Have a great day. Bye. Hello, everybody. This is Let's Talk Sports with Timothy McCain, and today we're going to be talking about the analytics of the of the game, and that includes uh, the the major sports, the sports of baseball, basketball, and football. Preferably, uh, basketball and football. On my end, um, when I when I when I think about analytics, it's a love hate type relationship with me, um, only because I feel like analytics can be good and bad from the standpoint of the three point. The three-point line. The three-point line has been around for basketball and the game of basketball for a very long time. But with the with the emergence of Steph Curry, um, it really gave everyone a closer look at what analytics could be uh, for basketball because analytics really is based off of numbers, off percentages, like where a guy likes to shoot from three from a certain side, or you know, like Ben Simmons is. Excuse me. It's a great example because Ben Simmons would shoot like ninety five to ninety eight percent from the five from five five feet from the basket, whereas he'll shoot maybe like eight percent or three percent from the from the three spot. So guys like that could. So it's it's good from the standpoint of it's good from the standpoint of you're not judging a player just based off of height weight. And, and and looking the part is based on what that person does uh, numbers-wise. The problem with analytics, um, in my opinion, deals with the fact is they don't judge a person's character. They don't look and see, is this a good fit? For a team, is he a is he or she a type leader? You know, when 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 we're talking about women's sports uh, as well, is is he or she the type of leader or player that can mesh with a certain organization? Sometimes, you 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 know, a, a guy who just has great numbers but isn't the right fit doesn't necessarily work. Um, so that's one of the reasons why I don't like the um, analytics from that perspective. Um, but analytics really started in 2002 um, with the Oakland Athletics general manager, Billy Bean, uh, deciding to make his, his – he decided to develop a team just based off numbers instead of just going by, by sight, by, by what people judge based on you know exterior motives and et cetera. And that season, uh, they won their division and they, had a, a, they won 103 games that year. What I think about um, when I think about analytics, 
when it comes to basketball, I think of the, obviously the Houston Rockets and the Golden State Warriors. Now, um, I think from the Golden State Warriors standpoint, they're not a team that's their their management is a team that their, their management is a team where they deal with analytics. When I look at the Golden State Warriors, they're more of a free flowing type offense where they got guys like Draymond Green uh, actually had an interview where he spoke about how he didn't understand the importance of analytics because he's he's not a guy that goes based off of of numbers and stuff like that. He's the type of guy that's a, a free-flowing type guy who likes to, to, to play with the flow of the game, the energy of the game. That's the type of play that I like. Um, then you got guys like Paul George with the OKC Thunder who do the same. He actually told his coach because his coach looked at hours of tape trying to figure out, you know, what pick and rolls he can shoot from, like what side of the basket, and they would develop plays for this. But Paul George had to step up to Billy Donovan, the head coach of uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder, and he had to tell him, hey, coach, just let me play a little bit, and and I'll deliver. And this year, he's having the best uh, year of his career. I mean, the, the guy, the brother went from averaging 19.7 a game to averaging 27 this season. Um, now it wasn't always you know roses and daisies in Oklahoma, but this is this this is this this is their second season that been able to develop, and we see a really good product with him and Russell and and the, and the rest of them boys in Oklahoma, and so I think they have something really important, really special in OKC. When I think about the Houston Rockets, um, they're a team that's be, that's become injury prone this season. Um, but they've got arguably the best offensive player in this season in James Harden. But he shoots so many shots. He shoots so many shots to make the amount of points that he's making that sometimes people be like, well, hey, look, how I mean, this guy, he's not very efficient, but he's high volume and he can get hot when he gets hot. But this Rockets team overall, they shoot way too many threes. Um, and it will work for them in the regular season. But I but rest assured. I don't believe it will work during the playoffs. Cause, and, and this is outside of the fact that the Warriors have arguably the greatest team in NBA history. Okay. But the fact is, when we see them, when we when we see the Houston Rockets, who have been the face of analytics in the NBA, they, they've struggled, including their star player in James Harden. They've struggled scoring the ball or showing up. Now, granted, they, they did have a really good series where where the team showed up and Harden didn't play well. Um, but I believe personally Harden it thinks about analytics. I think he actually studies about analytics because when you look at him, I mean, you got a guy who's just sh- shooting shots. Even if he's missing them, he's shooting. I think uh, so he's like, look, if I shoot a good he – he, I think one night he went one for 17 from three and he still had over 30 points in the game. So I think – from that perspective, I think that um, it's 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 good it's it's good for them, but it's also bad because I don't think they win. For me, one of the reasons why I don't like um, the uh, the three so much, and the reason why I don't like it being mathematical, is the fact of the matter is the center position used to be a huge used to play a huge role in the NBA, and um, I think that. Now we're seeing an era where there's just so much positionless basketball that I think that 
is kind of taken away from the center position. The center position has become almost obsolete. Now, we see guys like a DeMarcus Cousins, a Joel Embiid, a Nikola Djokovic and stuff like, and players like that, but we don't see the Shaquille O'Neal's. We don't see the David Robinson's, the Hakeem Olajuwon's of the world. We don't see the Patrick Ewing's, the, uh, the, the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's, the Moses Malone's, the Wilt Chamberlain's, the Bill Russell's, the George Mikan. If I were to, if I were to tell you the great players from every position, if I were to name you the great players from every position, the center position has the most Hall of Fame dominant players over any other position in basketball. I mean, the low post position used to be the most dominant part of the game. And now with three-point, now you got guys shooting from three that guys can't rebound as much. Now we got guards like Russell Westbrook who have been leading the league, who has been leading his team, not leading the league. Let's get it straight. The person who's leading the league in rebounding has been Andre Drummond, but his numbers offensively when it comes to points. He needs to get that up. But the problem is the game has developed so much where the center has to go outside of his natural spot where he can score, and he has to go and shoot two longer twos and even threes, which it's weird when you see guys who should be in the post dominating down low shooting threes all the time. Now, it's, it's beautiful when they make it, but the majority of the time they miss the basket. So I think for me, the physicality of the sport, to me, it's, it's, it's lost that essence because we've been infatuated with the fact of everyone just shoots a bunch of threes. And we see it even in college. And it's not as, it's, it's, it's not always fun to see. It's fun to see teams go at it and they just drive to the lane or they just shoot a fadeaway jumper. And, you know, someone, you know, that's the type of style, the Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal, those are type, of of games that I or and many other fans would like to see and I don't feel like we're seeing that product as much. I do believe analytics can be good from the standpoint of uh Tom Brady uh being an example of that. Um I believe that also uh when I look at guys like Ray Lewis, um he was short for his position, but he was still uh, dominant. It, it didn't matter about the height, the weight, or the speed. It, it mattered about the heart and how much he was willing to do it. Another thing that I don't um, like necessarily about analytics is the fact that um, that you, they, it can't judge character. It, it judges what you do on the court. But a lot of what you do on the court is how you interact with your teammates. Are you a good leader? Are, can you fit in the system that the coach is putting you in. So a lot of 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 the play of basketball has to deal with what type of man or what type of woman you are um, in the sports world, on a sports team. So I think that's something that's super important and that's kind of dismissed in analytics. But um so I have so it's analysts can be good and bad. There's you know if you have too much cake, you know what I'm saying you'll 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 get overweight or you get fat. But so I believe there should be a balance of, of like, of analytics, but also with this eyesight. It shouldn't just, it shouldn't just, the games shouldn't just be based off analytics. It should also be based on what people see. It should be based off athleticism as well. It shouldn't just be a bunch of people shooting threes, you know? So that's my pet peeve with analytics. But when I look at analytics, when I, when I, when I look at analytics and I look at African-Americans, 
Uh, we don't necessarily talk about analytics fr- fr- from the perspective of how it impacts the game um, because it just doesn't... I mean, a lot of African-Americans aren't interested in it. But there are African-Americans who are mathematicians. And I believe that um, if we could find African-Americans who knew the game, possibly played the game, but dived into that mathematical mindset of the game of analytics, we would see more African-Americans in managerial and executive roles. Instead of just seeing African-Americans on the court, we see African-Americans making decisions that impact the So I think that that's something that African-Americans have to do to advance beyond just being on the court. Everyone wants to be a ball player. Everyone wants to be the guy on the field. But the decisions are made. The financial decisions, the, 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 per, the people who decide who's who, they're the ones who, who they're the ones who decide a lot of the things. And I believe that if if kids can see African Americans in those roles, especially p- kids in the African American community, they if they see that knowing math, knowing the game can help them get jobs to be a part of something like that, that would be super influential and will it would be beautiful to the game of football and basketball and baseball and etc. And so that's what I have to say today. Um thank I want to thank everybody for listening in to Let's Talk Sports with Timothy McCain. Have a good one. Hello, everybody. Welcome again to another episode of Let's Talk Sports with Timothy McCain. Today, we're going to be talking about who is the greatest athlete of all time. Now, when it comes to the greatest athlete of all time, you know, you hear a lot of on these sports shows like Undisputed and stuff like that where it says, who's the greatest athlete? And they always compare Michael Jordan or Tom Brady. But really, the greatest athlete of all time is really has really become perception-based. It's always been the next guy in. Back in 2017, the greatest athlete of all time was Roger Federer. Roger Federer had the mo- the majority of the ga- Grand Slams. He was the guy who had the most wins and everything, and etc. So he was the top guy. But since most people enjoy basketball and football over tennis, people including myself, Never really watched a full match of tennis before, but I don't have to. I don't have to know the game to understand the greatness that Roger Federer has had. He's been about as dominant as as long as I've been alive. Roger Federer has been, uh, but he's only the mix. Unless it's not an argument to say that Roger Federer is the greatest athlete of all time, because for me, when I look at it. I want to judge players based on not just their greatness in one sport, but greatness in multiple sports. That's why guys like Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, Serena Williams, and Roger Federer are not the greatest athletes. They're the greatest athletes in their sport. Well, Michael Jordan, you could argue LeBron or Will Chamberlain, in my opinion, but you could argue, and of course Tom Brady could argue he's not—he's—he's he's the greatest quarterback of all time. But is he gr- the greatest player? Um, the reason why I would say no to that—he's the best quarterback that we've ever seen. He's the most winningest quarterback we've ever seen. A guy who was drafted in the sixth round, 199th pick, for him to be able to play and 
actually have done better in age than when he was his first seven seasons. Peyton Manning, John Elway, and all the other great quarterbacks. Dan Marino, all these other great quarterbacks, they, they were better than Tom Brady. Tom Brady was just was just the guy who won three Super Bowls because Bill Belichick was arguably the greatest coach of all time. But then a flip happened. When Randy Moss went to the New England Patriots, then we got to see a whole new Tom Brady throwing a, a season record, 50 touchdowns at the time. They went 17 and 0 and would have been and would have become the greatest NFL team in, 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 in history. But they lost to the Giants 17 to 14 in the Super Bowl. So they're not, so they can't be considered the greatest. They're the greatest to never win it. Um but I cannot say that oh and we're missing Muhammad Ali. So that's why I cannot say that when when I when I when I look at people who've dominated their sport, you have to give them the credit. The only reason why, the only argument you can make about being the greatest athlete truly is if they dominated and played different sports. Players like Jim Thorpe, Jim Brown, Jackie Robinson, Bob Hayes, John Elway were players who excelled and dominated in multiple sports. Jim Brown not only was the NFL's all-time leading rusher at one point. Not only did he average five yards to carry a game and had over 12,000 rushing yards, but he was an All-American in lacrosse. He was a track star, and he led the Syracuse... His, he led his Syracuse team in points when he was in college. That is excellence. Jackie Robinson... Was an, was an All-American player. Bob Hayes is the only NFL player to win an, a Super Bowl championship and Olympic gold medal. Deion Sanders is the only NFL player to play in a World Series and in an NFL Super Bowl championship game. The only one. It takes dedication will and talent to be the greatest athlete of all time well I want to say this the whole notion of greatest athlete and then we use dominance of one sport is disrespecting the sports world in general because there's different practices there's different positions and there's just so many different things there's just there's just so many different ways where you have to judge who is the greatest. You always have to go by the eras and you have to go by the sport. There's no such thing as the greatest athlete unless you're talking about from multiple sports. And even Jim Thorpe, as great as Jim Thorpe was. Jim Thorpe played 13 seasons in the, in, um, in the NFL Seven seasons in Major League Baseball. He didn't have great. He didn't have great numbers, but he had good numbers. He was good all around. Many old timers view Jim Thorpe as someone who is the greatest player of all time, greatest athlete of all time, because he had a plethora of, of uh, sports. He also 
won gold medals into in the pentathlon and the uh, decathlon. So obviously this guy was an incredible talent, but due to, due to being so long ago and we don't know about it, we don't judge these guys on how great they were. But I want to say that even though, oh yeah, and Bo Jackson, Bo Jackson's one. Even though I want to say this, even though I don't believe that there can be a legitimate argument of the greatest athlete of all time. When it comes to all sports, I want to recognize the players who dominated their sports and also dominated theirs. That's why I gave you the list of the Bo Jacksons, the Jim Browns, the, the Jim Thorpes, the Deion Sanders. These are the guys who dominated or played well enough in different sports to be recognized. As great as Michael Jordan was and as great as Tom Brady is, they only dominated one sport. Tom Brady, as great as a quarterback as he is, as great as a leader as he is, he has benefited from the rules of quarterbacks not being able to be hit. Now, Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan was always an incredible scorer. I mean, the man for six seasons shot 50% from the field. And his when he was 38 and 39 years old, he averaged 22 points a game, and he averaged 20 points a game. And he shot 40% from the field. And that was with a three-year layoff. He was a general manager. And then came back in the league and averaged 20. That, to do that is incredible. At 38 years old, the man is a model of consistency. But he dominated... After the great ones retired, he pl- he he won championships when Larry Bird's, the Magic Johnsons, the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's, Moses Malone's were all retired and gone, or didn't have the same influence. Magic was still playing in the '90s, but he didn't have that same effect that he had in the '80s. The '80s were the Sixers, the Pistons, the Lakers, and the Celtics realm. And and Michael was a part of that. Was he leading the league in scoring every other year? Yes. He led the league in scoring 10 times. He's arguably the greatest offensive player of all time. We talk about James Harden. He's having an incredible season. But he's only led the league in scoring twice. So he is not the greatest offensive player of all time. That belongs to Michael Jordan. That's why Michael Jordan is great. Not just because of the fact that he's won six titles and he's undefeated in the finals, but the fact that he led the league in scoring and he was dominant and he was the best player. But he didn't win, and we judge it by wins. And he did not dominate in an era in the 80s. He did not dominate in an era where there were other players that were just as good or better than him. Yes, Michael Jordan was an offensive talent, but it was when the Pistons... When they were beating him up, that he decided that he had to change and get stronger and get bigger. Then in the 90s, he started to take advantage of that. And he became the face. Tom Brady's the same way. Tom Brady, he was already a champion. But Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning is a more talented player than Tom Brady. But Peyton Manning is gonna be not gonna be remembered 
better. You know what a really good example is? Peyton Manning is like Will Chamberlain and Tom Brady is like Bill Russell. Bill Russell was the captain of the Celtics. He was the leader, the face, the man who made it all, who, the, the man who was the face of the 11 championships the Celtics had. He was the guy who, he was the glue that made it all together. Tom Brady is the glue that makes it all together. Peyton Manning and Will Chamberlain are similar because their dominance when it comes to just pure athletic ability, just pure skill, they were better. They had better numbers. If you match him up, you know, his first years or whatever, if you match him up, he was the guy. He they, they were just better, but they didn't win. That's why Eli Manning, for many, many, many years, was revered more. Or let's say this. Eli Manning was never revered more than Peyton Manning. But he was labeled as a winner. There was, that, there was a stat that was done a long time ago that said that Eli Manning was uh, the, the, the clutchest quarterback in the playoffs. But only if there was only playoff games and not a regular season that Elon Manning would be a Hall of Famer. But that's not how it works. That's why Julian Edelman is not a Hall of Famer. As great as Julian Edelman has been in the playoffs, he's only got 30 touchdowns. Cliff Branch is not in the Hall of Fame. The man has 67 touchdowns in the 70s in a running league. And he's got two Super Bowls. And we're talking about Julian Edelman on all these sports shows that I love. Speak for yourself. Undisputed. First take. They talk about Julian Edelman. But being a Hall of Fame, they say, Lynn Swamp, why is not? Why is Cliff Branch not in the Hall of Fame? Cliff Branch should be in the Hall of Fame. Because Cliff Branch was a great player on the Oakland Raiders. He was one of the glues that made that thing to work. And if it weren't for the Steelers... They would have won more Super Bowls. That's my point about that. So, but for me overall, I believe that the greatest of all time is got to be about players who dominated their positions, but also dominated in other sports positions. And guys like Jim Brown and Jim Thorpe dominated other positions. Better than Michael Jordan. I do not think that Tom Brady would have been a good basketball player. I don't think he would have been a good tennis. He might have been a good tennis player if he practiced. But he didn't. As far as I know. But I look at it. And I'm like. I look at it like LeBron and and, and they, they always compare LeBron to Tom Brady. And I say, could LeBron play in the NFL? They say, who's the greatest athlete? Is LeBron or Tom Brady? I say, no. LeBron couldn't have played in the NFL. He's too tall. They go for his knees. He'd have a couple good seasons, but then they get him and he'd get hurt. He's too big. Tom Brady playing basketball? Nah. He could. He, he might be able to play now a little bit because the rules changing. And you can't touch jump shooter. That's why James Harvey flopping, shooting threes. People calling it, even though obviously that he literally walk into somebody, breathe, blow on somebody. It's a foul. Like, what is that about? I mean, it's genius. 
but it's not beautiful for the game. It's not. I know everybody talks about they love it, but it's not good for the game. I love James Harden's game is good, but the faking the the, the foul shots, like him shooting like 20 free throws and everything like that, ain't nobody want to see that. That's not good for the game. Got to shoot. That's like that's like when the Spurs used to foul DeAndre DeAndre Jordan from the Clippers, and you know that the Clippers were a fast break team. They were a fast break team, and you got. You got the coach of the Spurs. I mean, you got him. You you got Popovich on fast break fouling DeAndre Jordan. What kind of mess is that? Good game plan. Born to watch. We didn't we didn't come here to watch a boring game. We came here to watch excitement. And that's what guys like Michael Jordan, Jim Brown, Tom Brady. LeBron James, that's what they bring. That's why they're in these GOAT discussions. But greatest of all times, no. GOAT discussion in positions unless you play multiple positions. They No player, no, that's my argument. That is my argument. No player who's only played one sport and only was good in one sport, should. they should not be in discussion for the greatest athlete of all time. It should only be... For the players that played in multiple positions. Because then you get to see who the greatest athlete is of all time. Because it's more involved. And you have to do more. And you have to learn more. If you're just doing one thing. And you master it. Obviously you're going to be better than someone who who hasn't mastered it. But if you're able to master one thing. And then go to another thing. And master it. And do better. And do, and do just as good. Then that is what athlete is not just a position or a player it's not just a position it's it's actually what an athlete is and uh so that is my argument um you know i also know there's a sports world of uh the lakers the lakers you know they're going to um they they pull it away from uh from the ad offers i think that was a good move because new orleans pelicans are in their feelings and uh, I just think that uh, they gotta, they need to make the trade. They need to make the trade if they they want, if they want something for ID. If they if they don't, if they do not trade him, he is not signing back, and they lose. But that's just a, that's just a little side note. This a little side note, but you know that that's what I have to that's what I have to say today. Uh, thank you for listening to Let's Talk Sports with Timothy McCain. And have a good one.